Welcome to Chowder and Grits, the podcast for ACC and Hokies football. I'm Justin Cochola alongside Tim Hurth. Today is Thursday, November 21st, and we've got two weeks left in the football season, in the regular season at least. Best time of year. We've got turkey, we've got football, we've got college hoops, we've got some Thanksgiving power rankings for you. We've got a huge Virginia Tech pit matchup uh, that does have coastal uh, division implications. Uh, but first, before we get get to all that, Tim, what's going on? You know, I'm sitting here with the microphone in, you know, basking in the glow of a nicely lit Christmas tree. Things are feeling good, man. I'm I'm super jacked to get in this episode and to get into talking football this week. Um, but I know we mentioned, you know, a couple of weeks ago, maybe on Twitter and then the last podcast that we were going to be talking Thanksgiving food, and I'm ready for that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's uh, we're approaching that time. You know, I, I love this time of year because, uh, you know, Thanksgiving for me is is right on up there. Arguably oh, yeah. one of the holidays I look most forward to, um, if not the most, because, I mean, you've got you've got Thanksgiving, you've got football. The thing that irritates me about Christmas is NBA has got a stranglehold on that day. Yeah. And I don't want to watch NBA basketball on Christmas. No one does. Well, I want to watch football. Some people do. Some people do. I'm yeah. a football guy. When some, it comes to basketball, do, college just us. completely, completely dominates the NBA. And I'm not judging anyone for liking the NBA. Um, no. Yeah. You know, I, I certainly get the to appeal, but yeah. And you oh. know what we got coming up, though, as well. We got the uh, Maui Invitational. Well, we got that. We've got bowl games around the corner. Oh, and, of course. You know, December is just a glorious, glorious month when it comes to bowl games. Yeah, it is. And the Maui Invitational, that's a tournament I look forward to every year. And this year, we've got the added bonus of Virginia Tech playing in that tournament. So yeah, uh, that's, that's when I know. Often. Yeah, that's when I know the end of the year is near, is when we start getting the special uh, Invitational in college in college basketball after the first kind of round of games. But yeah, Tim, before we uh, before we jump into it, why don't we uh, why don't we go ahead and get into our Thanksgiving Day power rankings. Now, these are sure. the foods that you look most forward to every year. Uh, there really is no right or wrong answer here. Um, well, and you know, well, yeah, sure. There, I'm sure there could be. Could know? be. There won't be um, with either of us. You know, I feel like you and I are on the same page to where. You know, kind of going back to the 4th of July thing, we really kind of stray for the sides. That's oh, kind yeah. of what fills up our Thanksgiving <laughs> oh, plate. Yeah. Like, I could seriously not even have a turkey on the table and be just fine. Well, you know, uh, I have a pretty, maybe it is a, a hot take or a controversial opinion, but if I was power ranking everything on my stack Thanksgiving plate, turkey would end up somewhere near the bottom, if not the bottom completely. Um you know, it depends turkey, on the turkey. The turkey can be very hit or miss, depending yeah, on how it was cooked. It can. And, you know, the thing about turkey is it's it's always got a subtle flavor, and you really have to season it well and prepare it well. Even if your turkey's moist, if it's not got a lot of flavor, that's that's the risk you run with such a, a bland meat. Um, yeah. You know, and so, actually, you know what? This is a good topic to get into here. I prepared my own turkey last year for the first time. Uh, as you do, as, as you as you get older, um, you know I, I I buttered that boy up under the skin, on top of the skin, threw a lot of poultry seasoning on it, which I think is a blend of probably sage and and rosemary, maybe maybe some thyme, uh, the old T H Y M E thyme, um, and then in the cavity, 
which is, uh, you know, that's a, that's a deep, dark place in that cavity. I put uh, some lemon, some orange, uh, and I think maybe sprigs of rosemary and thyme in there too. It turned out phenomenal. But now I'm sitting here and I got another turkey to prepare. I, I don't know what to do. I don't know if I do the same thing or I, how do you how do you step up your game? From, you know, I say if if it if it's not broke, don't fix it. If yeah. it worked out last year, I'd stick with that. You know, maybe tweak uh, the seasoning a tad. That's all I would do. Very subtle. Yeah. You know, maybe yeah. add a different flavor in there. But other than that, it sounds like you've got it down. So. How do you how do you feel about the uh, the turkey and ham combination? Because I'm a huge ham guy. Oh, I, I'll go ham all day. Oh, me too. Okay, good. Yeah, I, I you know, get the uh, the brown butter sugar ham mm-hmm. or whatever with the yeah, yeah. That's oh, that's gosh. where I'm. That's where I'm at. So I'm I'm doing both this year. Um, yeah, of course. Because I, I'm I'm a, if it was up to me, we'd have ham and we'd kick that cur- turkey to the curb. Yeah, um, hokies don't eat hokies, baby. Uh, okay, so do you want to go first here? Yeah, man, I'll go first. My. My third pick, this is hard for me, man. Um, it's kind of a staple, and I was reading an article about maybe two weeks ago about how this is the worst Thanksgiving food item, and it, it upset me. Um, and maybe this is, like I said, maybe this is another controversial opinion. Green bean casserole. Really? That's the worst Thanksgiving? I, that's on my honorable mentions list. Okay. Well, here's the thing about green bean casserole that I really appreciate. It's got the contrast of texture that you need, right? Because green beans alone are not going to carry the day. But you add cream of mushroom soup in with those green beans, a little extra pepper, some fried onion on top. I mean, that's a yeah. winning combination, man. Yeah, that's kind of that's yeah, that's a good call. <laughs> uh, for me, coming in at number three, uh, I don't know if everybody's familiar with this particular dish. But I'm going with the apple cranberry crisp. Now, this is like a casserole. But you've got diced up apples and cranberries in this type of fruity mixture with a very, um, you know, kind of crumbly topping. That sounds good. You bake that guy in there. Yeah, a lot of sugar in there. uh, Some oats. But man, yeah, it's uh, it's fantastic. I would recommend looking that one up. So regionally speaking, was this something that you're bringing from uh, Virginia, or is this something you got from the wife? No, that's something I grew up with. Okay, cool. Right, right down there in in Virginia, RVA. I I'd never uh, never heard of that one. It sounds awesome. It sounds really seasonal. Um, you know, which which is big time when you get in Turkey and, and Thanksgiving. You want to have something that definitely fits with that fall weather. Um, seasonal fruits, you like that. So for me, I'm coming in at number two, and this one is the undefeated, right? So this is going to be on everybody's list. It should be on your list if it's not, and that's homemade mac and cheese. Um, I mean, that's just coming in so clutch. And for me, this is one piece of food that I do like to experiment with. I found that Gruyere is extremely clutch in a mac and cheese. Okay. Um, you know, cause this, you're, you're not going to blue box this and this is not any disrespect to, to blue box. I love Kraft Mac and cheese, um, like a child. However, I don't eat it often because I am an adult. Um, and that's not so good for the waistline, but throw everything out on Thanksgiving. The key to a good homemade Mac and cheese is that you get enough soft cheese in there and enough liquid 
so that you don't end up with that kind of scrambled, eggy consistency inside of the mac and cheese, which I wish so many people can end up with. So, yeah. um, you know, just wa- watch your milk, watch your creams, make sure you're getting the right kind of melting cheeses in there, and then just go crazy, man. Uh, second for me is sweet potato casserole. Oof. And you got to have the nutty crumble on top with the marshmallow yeah. topping. Oh, yeah. You're a big and, fan uh, of the nutty crumble. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it really kind of makes or breaks it for me. If I don't see it on there, uh, I'm not, you know, you know, it's not that I'm not happy. I'm just not as happy as I could be, you know. Yeah. Sure. So, yeah, I mean, that's just kind of, you know, that's where you're going to see me go to uh, second and third. Mm. I'll save my number one for after you. Yeah, no, I, dude, I'm, I'm very appreciative of you bringing the sweet potatoes in. They need to represent a uh, big shout out to sweet potato pie. That's an amazing dish. Um, and we could talk pies all day. We could power rank pies, and especially after you triggered me with that regional pie ranking, which I'm sure was somebody messing with us, as I have never seen or heard of a blasphemous lemon pie on Thanksgiving. That just sounds awful. It upset me, and I think that that was probably a joke. Probably a guy trying to get our goat, and it worked. So, number one, power ranking item. It's tried and true. It's the classic, but to me it's still undefeated because I only eat it one time a year. Yep. Stuffing. Boom. Oh, oh my gosh. I could go on and on. And there's so many different kinds, right? Like, so I've heard of people making slow cooker stuffing, and I've tried it. It's very good. My grandma, the way she prepared it was on, like, a brownie kind of tin. Okay. Um, And she patted it down. It's a bit of a drier stuffing that you cut into squares. Um, You know, but it still packs enough moisture to not be, like, choking down sand, as I imagine that sounds like in your head right now. But... It doesn't get better with the gravy, the stuffing. You get a little mashed potato action spilling on because you can't be one of those people on Thanksgiving that's afraid of your food touching. Otherwise, this holiday is going to trigger you to no end. Oh, yeah. No, you're just going to have to get past that or, you know, go back to the uh, five-year-old divider plate. But I got to tell you, I grew up, so my mom grew up when I was growing up. She called it dressing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so did so, my family. Yeah, so that's that's what it was called, and uh, I didn't like uh, her version growing up uh, because I guess I just had immature tastes. Sure, uh, but it was very, uh, you know, it had some onions in there and some vegetables, and then also some raisins in mm. the stuffing. Mm. Okay, uh, now I've come to love it; it's fantastic. Yeah. But I grew up only wanting stovetop, uh, which was uh, to be you fair. Know, Stovetop is great. <laughs> it is. <laughs> to be it fair, is. it's really, really good. And, you know, stuffing as a kid, dressing as I called it as a kid, um, it was one of those things that I didn't appreciate until I got a little older. I think it's one of those that maybe you need a, you know, an, an older palate to truly appreciate, but stuffing is, is just incredible. Um, so there had to be some honorable mentions for you. I know for oh, me, yeah. there were 18 honorable mentions, but you just a couple Jeez. that deserve shout outs. Um, Definitely going to be rolls are important. You're going to need some kind of bread. Let me stop uh, you right there. Yeah, go ahead. So, shout out to my to our RVA brethren. Yeah, White House rolls. Okay, are I've you not familiar? Them. Oh, I'm man. not. Your I'm not. your wife has to know about White House rolls. She's from Richmond, right? She is. So, U-Crops, Richmond staple, or used to be, you know, they sold the grocery store, and, and now it's pretty much gone, but they still have the U-Crops bakery. And White House rolls, that's basically what U-Crops does. 
did and does. So, so uh, I'll yeah, ask you a that's, quick that's question. That's a very popular hot item in the RVA area. I used to work there in high school with U-Crops, that is. Yeah. We couldn't keep them on the shelves. One thing I noticed about social get-togethers in the Richmond VA area, and I married into an RVA family. Um, at any sort of social gathering, baby showers, birthday parties, there's always a plate of country ham in little baby rolls. Yeah, those baby rolls are probably White House rolls. That's 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 what I'm thinking. I th- I'm thinking yeah. I picked that up at some point that those were White House rolls. But l- let me tell you, whatever those rolls are, and if yeah. these are White House rolls, the ones that they I'm are. thinking of that they put uh, country ham in, oh yep. my. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. So and for my, me. My favorite White House roll, too, they come on a circular plate. Then you have to pull yeah. them apart. Now, they sell them in kind of a bin. They're like little more sandwichy type of rolls. Yeah. Those are good, but they're not the pull-apart kind that I like the most. So I'm thinking it's got to be like a yeast-type roll. So the, the roll I was going to shout out comes in the tin, uh, and you bake them in the oven in the tin. And they're called uh, Sister Schubert's is the brand. Um, but you can get those at the freezer section of your store. Uh, anywhere you shop, you should have them. Check them out. Sister Schubert's Rolls, pro tip here from a, a guy who obviously likes Thanksgiving foods. For Thanksgiving and maybe for the rest of your life, um, if you're eating butter, check out imported butter. Typically, Kerrygold makes a really good imported butter. I don't know what the cows are doing in Europe, but the butter certainly tastes better. So (laughs) shout out to uh, imported butter. Shout out to Sister Schubert's Rolls. My last shout out is going to go to corn pudding. That is an absolute beast of a side for Thanksgiving and one of those things, again, that I only eat once a year. Got to tell you, I don't think I've had that as a side at Thanksgiving, uh, but I know people do. Uh, it just wasn't a big item on our table. Uh, yeah. Hash brown casserole. Oh, yeah. Mm. That's uh, that's definitely an honorable mention. Green bean casserole, like I said. So, yeah, I'm a big casserole guy, as you can God, tell. I love a casserole. Uh, I, I love a casserole. My, my list. Love a pie. A chocolate chest pie, a little, a little pumpkin pie, a little pecan pie. Pecan pie is phenomenal. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. It's second to none, in my opinion. I mean, we should really, what, what I'm getting here, you and I could go on for hours about this food stuff. We, we should have a food cast. Yeah, no, I mean, maybe we should. It's, uh, you know, it could still be branded chowder and grits. We just talk still about fits. food across the ACC. How about that? That's perfect. Boom. That's perfect. And uh, the Akron quarterback on the television is punching a, a defender in the face. So things are going well in uh, in Akron right now. <laughs> Well, okay, so I was off that game, but that doesn't sound good. No. Um, So speaking of football, Tim, let's jump over to the old uh, huge football game that we've got this weekend. What game is that, Justin? So we've got Pitt at Virginia Tech. And, you know, both teams. Yeah. So both teams are are in position to win the Coastal. Pitt needs some help um, from Virginia Tech, actually, if they were to win. Virginia Tech just needs to win, and they control their own destiny. So, Hokies, four-point favorite. And, you know, something I thought was pretty great, actually, is Fuente didn't vote uh, for the team in the coaches' poll. Okay. Um, And I think that's kind of just like a, you know, prove it to me this week type of deal. Uh, So, I I actually like that a little bit. Virginia Tech, obviously, not ranked in the coaches' poll, but did enter, crack that top 25 uh, weather for the game, I wanted to mention this. So it sounds like it's going to be 48 for the high, 80% chance of rain. Ugh. So 
Weather's not going to be great, and it's really going to play into what I think is going to be uh, a heavy defensive game for for both teams. Um, maybe more so for uh, for Pitt, but you know, senior day in Blacksburg. You know, Reggie Floyd. He's the only starter. Uh, there's four other seniors on the team that'll be honored. The other thing not to lose sight of here, Tim, last home game ever for Bud Foster. Don't you say those things. So we had the very emotional uh, game against Wake Forest, the pregame ceremony, and then they come out and they make a statement. You know, that's going to carry over into this one as well. Uh, you know, Virginia Tech's not going to want to lose uh, Bud Foster's last game at Lane. Uh, it's going to be a raucous crowd. You know, tickets seem to be a hot item. You know, if you're a student and you're listening to this and you're borderline, am I going to go to the game? Am I not going to go to the game? Am I going to go home early for Thanksgiving? Do yourself a favor. Just think about how many chances you have to stay in Blacksburg where you've got a roof over your head for free and you can walk to Lane Stadium and then go out, have a good time, and then drive home the next day. No pressure at all. No worries. You basically have four chances. Maybe even mm. less, depending on if they're in town or not before this week. So do yourself a favor as an alum. There's two alums because Tim's on the same page as I am. Absolutely. Go ahead and stay for that football game. Fill the stadium. Make it loud. I think it's going to be sold out anyways. I'm not worried about it being sold out. I'm just trying to give some friendly advice to some students out there. When you look back, you'll be glad you stayed in a few years. But, you know, one thing I noticed, Tim. It's been a pretty quiet week for players on the Twittersphere. I've noticed that as well. Just a little something I've noticed because, you know, there's been a lot of noise about from UVA, not just from the fan base, from the athletic department, releasing a hype video over a week and a half in advance of the football game that we have against them when they have an opponent this week. Yeah, and we'll it's get one into of the that. more amateur. <laughs> Well, mistakes I've ever seen. Completely unprofessional. Not that I'm not sitting here saying that you know college football needs to be this professional experience, and you can never you know break out from the norm. No, I'm not and, saying and that at all. Thing. However, just holy act like you've been there. Bad look. And here's the thing: you got Hugh Freeze sitting on the sideline this weekend, or or maybe he's in a hospital bed in the press box. I'm not sure anymore if he's transcended. However, the guy is coaching a hell of an offense at Liberty. And right now, UVA, not looking so great on the defensive side of the ball. Focus on who you got next, even if it's just to respect your opponent. My word. Yeah. Talk, and we'll talk, we'll about, talk a look about them game. later. But yeah. I think, you know, it's just, it, it's kind of funny because we're seeing all that, uh, you know, UVA fans crack me up on Twitter. I'm sure we have zero UVA listeners, but if we do, um, you amuse me, just so Go you get know. your men. Uh, but it has been very quiet. Don't think it's a coincidence. I'm sure Fuente told the team to tone it down. But, you know, this is uh, this is an important game. And to me, this is the the more difficult matchup for Virginia Tech between the last two games they have of the season here. So we've got Pitt. They come in. They, they've won 6-7. Only loss is to Miami. They lost 16-12, to which was kind of a shocking loss at the time because Miami wasn't playing well. Went up to uh, went up to Pitt and got the victory. Hokies they've won five of six. Only lost to Notre Dame. Obviously, we're f- you know familiar with that. They lost by one on the final drive in the final minute of the game. Pitt has played pretty much everyone 
close this year. All but three games have been within one possession. The UVA game is a little bit tough to judge. First game of the season, offense looked really bad, and they were still trying to figure out some things on the defensive side of the ball after a few injuries uh, late in the offseason. So not to say that their offense is great now, definitely has its issues, but, you know, Kenny Pickett at least looks serviceable. Um, you know, they rank 78th in the country in total offense. By comparison, Virginia Tech is 76th. I think Virginia Tech is trending up quite a bit faster than Pitt. Virginia Tech and a lot of their statistical categories uh, nationally are way down from that first month of the season. Um, you know, a couple of things to note here, a couple of interesting statistics. Red zone defense, national ranking. Pitt is 25th, Virginia Tech is 14th. Red zone offense national ranking. Pitt is 94th in the country, Virginia Tech is 5th. Love the sound of that. So Pitt's touchdown conversion rate in the red zone ranks 116th in the country at 48%. They've had 33 tries, only 16 touchdowns. This Pitt team in general just does not score a lot of touchdowns. Right. They just don't score a lot. Kenny Pickett, I think he only has 12 touchdown passes this year. They don't have a lot of rushing production, don't have a lot of rushing touchdowns. You know, they some of their receivers, Maurice French and um what's the other guy's name I'm looking for here. They've got they they lead the conference in receptions. They you right. know, they combined, they have the second most in the FBS. Pitts sure. averaging over 40 passing attempts per game. But on the scale of the ACC, they rank 12th in passing yards per attempt. So it's very short dump-off passes. They're really having a hard time kind of vertically stretching the team. And honestly, this pit offense in a nutshell, Tim, passing, I'd say, uh, average to above average. Rushing is below average. Point scored is below average. And the red zone offense is bad. So mix that with a pretty inconsistent special teams and a elite defense, and Pitt definitely has some holes that you can take advantage of. Yeah. The no, other they, thing they working against Pitt, and this is this is my favorite one, and this this is where Narduzzi really you know becomes Narduzzi. Pitt is one of the most undisciplined football teams in the country. They're averaging seventy six point six penalty yards per game. That's fourth worst in the FBS. That's over eight penalties per game, which is fifth worst. And they have at least five penalties in nine of the last ten games this season. So Virginia Tech ranks in the top 25 of least penalized teams. So we see a disciplined team versus an undisciplined team. I don't know about you, Tim, but I think what I just went over there should spell positive things for the Hokies. It should. Um, it really should. And, and you mentioned at the beginning the weather forecast is looking a little iffy, yeah, you could say. Um, and that, that's not necessarily a bad thing for a team like Virginia Tech who is rushing the ball uh, well and a pit team who isn't necessarily rushing the ball well. That plays into our hands. Um, when you talk about the quarterback on Pitt's side, Kenny Pickett started the year pretty well looked a lot better than last year and over the course of the season has regressed. Uh, you know, completion percentage somewhere around 60%, which isn't much better than last year. 
Um, and the pit offense itself has not been very explosive. And as you mentioned, has struggled in the red zone. Um, nothing about the pit offense is really going to scare you, especially with the way the Hokies defense has been playing. Um, you know, Caleb Farley and Waller on the outside should have no problems with French and company. Um, although there is some explosive ability there, um, so they could hit you for one or two. It's not a game in which I feel uncomfortable with the Hokies putting their corners on an island, um, which should be a good thing considering how well the defense and specifically the defensive line has pressured the quarterback lately. All those things spell really, really good things for Virginia Tech and the defense in this game. Um, however, on the other side, um, Pitt, that defense that Pitt is going to line up against the Hokies and against Hennon Hooker, um, really, really impressive. Um, they are getting a ton of sacks. Uh, and basically, you know, I was reading an article that was talking about havoc rate, which is if you're not familiar with a havoc rate, it means it's, it's basically a tackle for loss, forcing a fumble or defending a pass on basically a quarter of their defensive possessions. So the havoc rate is another way to say that they're making defensive plays, statistical defensive plays, big time plays, uh, a quarter of the time on defense. And, and that's crazy. Um, this pit defense is no joke. And if you get into a situation where it's defense versus defense, it's a strength versus strength matchup right now, especially with the way the Hokies have been playing, it gets a little murkier. If we were sitting and talking about a game in which the weather was going to be beautiful, I think that would really help play into the, the Hokie game plan a little bit by allowing Hen and Hooker to stretch the field and use the run to set up the pass. I think we're still going to try to do that, but passing obviously in cold wind wet weather becomes a little more difficult. So for me, this story is going to be told on how both of those defenses come out and how they swing. Um, because it, put it this way, Pitt, I think Pitt's defense is the best defense that we're going to play outside of Miami. And, and statistically, I think they're better than Miami. Um, this Pitt's is going to be an absolute test. number two test. in the conference right now. Yeah. So this is going to be an absolute test. And for guys uh, like Cornelson, um, players on that offensive line, this becomes extremely important to see how you stack up against one of the nation's better defenses and show everybody that we're not dealing with fool's gold, that consistency in this game plan can be carried out even against better defenses. And and I'm looking forward to seeing that matchup. And, you know, I think the Hokies will, will do just enough to have success here. Uh but yeah, that defense is, is no joke, and that offensive line becomes pivotal for the Hokies because what Pitt's defense has been able to do is get to the quarterback just in the same manner that we have. So um, getting to the quarterback for Pitt, Tim. Yeah. Pitt leads the FBS in sacks, 45. Yes. Now, when do they get most of their sacks? They have 21 sacks on third down when the average distance is nine yards per play or more. So if you get into a third and long situation, let's say third and seven plus, I'd almost expect Virginia Tech to be running the football at times. Maybe in the beginning at least. Maybe early in the game. I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen. No. Now, they cannot get into a situation to where they're coming into third third and nine plus on a consistent basis. And, and since then, and Hooker has been running the show, you know, that really hasn't been the case. There hasn't been a ton of third and, and long situations. The other thing that this defense does really well is their completion percentage rate that they're allowing 
is under 50%. It's 49.9%. Right. So not only are they good in the front end, they're good in the back end as well. And, you know, you've got Paris Ford back there who's a really good safety. He's got three picks on the year. You know, DeMar Hamlin, he's coming off an ejection yeah, for is. targeting, but, you know, 54 tackles on the season. You know, this defensive line, if you think we're lying to you, Jalen Twyman, nine and a half sacks. Kylan Johnson, six and a half sacks. Patrick Jones, the second, seven sacks. Deslin Alexander, five and a half sacks. There's multiple guys that you've got to focus on that you can't let beat you. You can't just focus on one guy or else you're going to get beat by one of the others. So it is going to be a huge, a huge test for this offensive line, an offensive line that has been playing significantly better. Right. Uh, and, you know, something that Virginia Tech has done really well is managed has managed the run game over the last few weeks. You know, they've had over 200 yards in four of their last five games. You know, I think we said this stat on, on uh, Monday's show, you know, 1,193 yards and 14 touchdowns on the ground in the last six games. Okay? So how have they done that? They've done that by running vertically, but also horizontally. So those jet sweeps that we love to hate so much, <laughs> it's actually been working in their benefit. Oh, and yeah. And the reason that is is because it's keeping defenses honest about who's going to get the ball, where they need to focus on, and who they should target in on. They don't know because right. a receiver could get it, Hinton Hooker could keep it, you know, a running back could get it. So if you're able to stretch the field horizontally and vertically, you know, that gives you a huge advantage overall. Now, running straight at this defensive line, I don't know if that's a great idea in this game. No. So I wouldn't be surprised, Tim, if we saw the old vintage wild turkey be <laughs> popped out for this football game. And what do I mean by that for those that don't know? So back in the, I guess it was 2006, 2007 That's right. time frame, you know, we had a uh, tight end on the team by the name of Greg, Gregory Boone. And uh guy was, you know, enormous. Um, yes, he was. And he happened to be a high school quarterback. I was going to say, you got to throw that in there because yeah. you don't see many 250-pound quarterbacks. No, and 250 pounds would be on a good day, I think. <laughs> so um, We're talking high school here. He, uh, he'd come in in a special package called the Wild Turkey, and, you know, it never really took off under him. Uh, you know, the name was better than the package, in my opinion. Yeah, the name was worth the package. But I got to tell you, with Quincy Patterson and the power dynamic that he brings, I wouldn't be surprised to see him and Hendon Hooker on the, on the field at the same time sure. uh, for, for a few different plays. I don't think it's going to happen a ton, but I think there's a good chance that it might happen, at least in short down situations or maybe even in that third and nine situation that we're talking about. You yeah. know, Keep the defense guessing a little bit. Keep them on their heels. That's how they're going to win. The other way Virginia Tech is going to win, Tim, is they're going to keep playing great special teams and great defense. Right. You know, there's there's no reason to think that Pitt's going to come in here and be able to move the ball at will. And yes, they're coming off a very nice game against North Carolina where they were able to move the ball freely. North Carolina's defense is very banged up. It's moving in the opposite direction of what we've seen the Virginia Tech defense move. And, you know, I think that... You know, we've we've got such good play from the defensive line. Uh, Caleb Farley has really come on. The linebackers are playing really consistent. 
there's no reason for me to believe that that Pitt is going to have much success. They really struggle to run the football. They're averaging 40 pass attempts per game, which is second most in the FBS. It's only 260 passing yards per game, though. This is a Pitt offense who last year, in case you forgot, beat Virginia Tech 52-22. to Okay? They had 492 yards on the ground. They averaged 13.9 yards per play. This year, they ranked 12th in the ACC in rushing yards per game at 131. You know, A.J. Davis is their leading rusher, only has 465 yards. We don't even know if Todd Sibley, who's their second most productive running back, if he's even going to play. He's missed the last two games for unspecified reasons. You know, it's not going to help them against a defense that is not the defense that they saw last year. And this Virginia Tech team, overall, is much better than Pitt. And I can say that with confidence, and I feel like I'm saying that very objectively. Offensively, they're a superior football team. Special teams, they're a superior football team. And defensively, they're probably the third best defense in the ACC right now. Behind Clemson and Pitt. So there's not that much of a drop-off between them defensively. I think this is going to be a pretty low-scoring game. I think the over-under is about 46, Tim. I'd say that's probably about right. You know, I have a feeling there's going to be a Tavion Robinson return punt return for a touchdown in this one. It just feels like the right time. He's really provided a spark in that position. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see a special teams or a defensive touchdown of some kind by Virginia Tech. It just feels like they're really playing with that much uh, that much momentum right now. You talked about the creating havoc. Virginia Tech has been gr- great at creating havoc over the last few weeks. You know, rushing yard wise, they're averaging. They've only given up 483 yards over six games. The secondary is playing much better. I like Virginia Tech to win in this one. I think it will be a close game, but I think Virginia Tech pulls away late. I'm thinking somewhere in the lines of 20 to 13. Yeah, I mean, that checks out. I think everything that you've said obviously makes sense. Most of it were, you know, statistics that you were citing. And, um, you know, I, I totally agree with you. I think where Virginia Tech could find itself in trouble is if it gets down early. Um, and, you know, the way you prevent that is you make sure Hinton Hooker does what he's done all year and protects the football. Um, you know, he, he, eight touchdowns, I believe, zero interceptions. Um, that needs to continue, and that kind of play is what's what basically has gotten us here. He's not just a game manager, which is what that stat line would lead you to believe. He's just smart with the football and takes what he's given. I also think the offensive coordinator in this, uh, Brad Cornelson in this case, deserves a lot of credit because I think he's made it easy on Hendon when he's been in. Um, and I think that's going to be important, keeping this easy, keeping this within Hendon's skill set, in trying to control this football game because the risk I see here for the Hokies is, is like I said, going down early and having to press. And if you have to go chase points against this pit defense, I don't see that as a, as a recipe for success. And that's going to be something we're going to want to avoid. Um, when it comes to picking a winner in this game, I'm torn. Statistically, I like the Hokies. I think the Hokies are the better team. It's close, but I think they're the better team. But I have picked against the Hokies. And just about every time I've picked against the Hokies this year, they've proved me wrong and they've won. 
So, maybe the Pit Panthers come into lane and surprise everyone in attendance. And then again, maybe I'm just saying that because I'm superstitious as heck and I can't stand the thought of falling to the Pit Panthers this weekend. Um, not in Bud's last home game. My brain is not going to let me fathom that is, that is even a remote possibility. So in order to do my part in preventing a Pitt Panther victory and seeing Narduzzi smiling after this game, I'm going to take the Pitt Panthers, 21-17. to 17. Well, I tell you, Tim, I, uh, I'm really not that concerned about losing this game. That's how confident I am in the way that Virginia Tech is playing right now. And if you look at Pitt, okay, you know, they're a team who we talk about, you know, if Virginia Tech gets down early. North Carolina was down 14 going into the fourth quarter, scored 17 points, forced overtime. If you think back to the Pitt-Duke game, Pitt had a big lead. Duke came back. This team, we talked about them being undisciplined. It's not just with the penalty yards. They seem to kind of let their foot off the gas a little bit. Now, yes, they've got a very good defense overall, but there are big plays to be had against this defense. Now, I also don't want to lose sight to the fact that Pitt, they've always got a little something extra in their back pocket for Virginia Tech. Whenever they're playing Virginia Tech, they could be the worst team in the ACC, and they could come out and they could look like you know a top 10 football team. It's Absolutely. just... It's just what they do against the Hokies. I don't know why that is. Uh, it's very frustrating to watch as a fan. Um, but I'll tell you one thing. They're not going to catch Virginia Tech off guard. From no. a coaching standpoint, you know, Justin Fuente, they, he's got this team locked in right now. And, you know, Narduzzi, he's a guy who, you know, you can't understate the coaching job he's done this year because if we go back to what our preseason thoughts of Pitt were, I think I had him at 4-8. and eight. Yeah. I wasn't expecting anything from this team. No, no, we, we were definitely not expecting much from the Pitt Panthers. And the fact that they are where they are is, is impressive on Narduzzi's part. And Narduzzi has proven that he is a good coach, and that should come as no surprise. But the Virginia Tech team should need no pregame speech they should need nothing to find everything and every reason they need to fight tooth and nail until the whistle in this game. And I expect the Hokies team to come out locked in and focused. Um, they've shown that ability, and, and Fuente has shown that ability to get that out of them. I have no doubt Bud will get help get that team ready and especially help get that defense focused. And I think we are going to get the best version of both football teams. Make no mistake, just as much as Virginia Tech has to play for Bud and play for that Coastal title, Pitt's coming in to defend it. And they're just as hungry. So yeah. at the very least, yeah. you're going to be looking at a, at a football game where both teams leave it all out on the field. And it, it's going to be exciting. I wish I wasn't going to be at a wedding. I wish I could see this. Um, but I, I'm just I'm hesitant to pick the Hokies because I have a weird thing in my head about a jinx and... I'm scared of jinxing, and especially with the Pitt Panthers coming into town, I, I, I'm not going to pick it. I'm going to pick in Pitt's favor. But for the record, I do think Virginia Tech is a better football team. They are a better football team, there's no doubt. Um, better overall. You know, I give Pitt the edge on defense. 
Um, and uh, like I said, I've got Hokies 20-13, to 13, but at the same time, wouldn't be surprised if uh, Virginia Tech wins by multiple touchdowns. That's how confident I am in Virginia Tech right now. I'm telling you. If Virginia Tech comes out and lays an egg, I will be absolutely blown away. Yeah. This team is playing at a different level right now. Okay? If they had come out and struggled a little bit against Georgia Tech, I wouldn't be so optimistic. Talk about a look-ahead game. Georgia Tech was a look-ahead game. Mm-hmm. Pitt is not right. a look-ahead game. Right. If they Pitt were going to struggle to get up better 14, win this it game. was going to be that Georgia Tech game. Yeah, for sure. Because the last thing you want to do if you're Virginia Tech, lose to Pitt, then have to get back up for UVA, obviously go in and beat them because we don't lose to Virginia, and then watch Pitt bo- beat Boston College and go to the Coastal. Mm. Like, talk about just a, a damper on the season, but I just don't think it's going to happen. The level that Virginia Tech's playing right now, Hendon Hooker undefeated as the starter, 5-0. and You know, he can beat you with his arm. He just hasn't sure. had to. Sure. Virginia Tech right now, they're a run-first football team. And running is what they do best at the moment. They can beat you with his arm. You know, it'll be interesting to see if Pitt is able to contain the screen, okay, because that's a big part of what they've been doing, okay. It's basically been an extension of the run game, but... We've seen Hendon Hooker make some phenomenal throws down the field with the game on the line, going back to the Miami game in his first start. So, you know, I'd expect a a bigger game from Damon Hazleton, uh, Trey Turner. You know, those guys are going to be involved. But, you know, let's see if we get anything out of Caleb Smith, Tavion Robinson, Hezekiah Grimsley, you know, James Mitchell, Dalton Keene. Dalton Keene's been pretty quiet last few weeks maybe we'll get a Dalton Keene sighting in the in the passing game at least he's obviously doing other things on the field so uh like I said huge game 330 ESPN2 Hokies a four-point favorite feel confident in taking the points and watching Virginia Tech get that eighth win of the season and go into Charlottesville with some momentum so let's go ahead and talk about Liberty at UVA Tim so this game is going to be noon regional coverage so going back to the hype video I just want to say that is the worst type video I've ever seen. It's not good. Uh, I felt like I was watching players in blue uniforms crawl down a hill. <laughs> That's what there, I felt there like. There was some bear crawling happening, I believe. So, uh, like we said, it was uh, amateur hour. Um, by the way, if you are in the Charlottesville area and need some rocks, I'd go ahead and go to the stores. Uh, they may be <laughs> sold out by now because they are preparing to smash them. Um, but, you know. They can break them all they want. Uh, it's not going to change what happens on the football field. Uh, so, Virginia, the athletic department can't get out of their own way. Uh, that being said, they're a 17-point favorite in this game, going up against a strong Liberty offense. Uh, the Flames, they're averaging over 300 yards per game through the air. And uh, their quarterback, Stephen Calvert, he's got 2,900 yards, 23 touchdowns, three picks on the year. Liberty's sitting at 6-4. and four. Um you know, they've been up and down. They've lost two of three coming into this game, which I don't like so much. And uh, two of those losses were last week to BYU and uh, a couple of weeks ago to Rutgers of all teams. So, yeah, not liking that. I understand that UVA's athletic department may, may be looking ahead. I doubt the team is. Um, you know, I think uh, I think Bronco will have, have them ready to go. I don't, uh, I don't think Liberty's going to get the upset here. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see UVA struggle in some aspects of the game, especially uh, stopping Liberty. I think Liberty will score points in this game. 
um, just because UVA secondary is pretty banged up. So what I'll be interested to see is is what that defense looks like after they've had a week uh, to rest. But I also don't think UVA will will play anybody who is borderline healthy in this one. No, and you know if you're UVA, that's what you're hoping for. But I I will say something about Liberty, especially with their uh, ability to pass and UVA's inability to guard receivers. I see this as a tough matchup, not in a sense that I think Liberty is going to get this win, but I do think it's going to be a little more difficult than UVA may like. I think the spread is a little too large. I'm seeing a seven to 10 point win here for UVA. Um, You know, it's just, it's a tough game. There is going to be a look ahead factor. I think, I think when you predicate your entire season on beating your rival, that leaves it tough for you to focus the week before when you have a team like Liberty coming into town. Um, to me, that has all the recipe I need to say this is going to be a tough game. A lot of in-state kids on Liberty's football team, a lot of pride at stake for them, um, and they're going to give UVA all they can handle, especially with that offense. It's going to be interesting to watch. You know, Obviously, I'm going to be a huge Flames fan for this game. Um, unfortunately, I don't think they'll win, but I do think it'll be 7 to 10 points. Give me something like... Uh, 3120 let's go 3128 3121 something like that okay okay yeah I, i'm there i'm there i you know i'd be surprised if uva blows them out but um i also think they they get the win sure. uh nc state at georgia tech thursday night game tim 8 p.m Woof. eastern uh georgia tech's a two-point favorite tim man thoughts wow my thought is wow one and five in the ACC, not a place the Wolfpack thought they would be. Um, and, you know, Doran in year, I don't know, what is this, six? Year six or seven for Doran? Um, this is tough. This is really, really tough. This is a hard pill to swallow. Um, you know, I, I don't think, you know, as many injuries as you have, as well as you've recruited, I feel there should be a better product on the field. Um now, I'm not saying that they should have a, a winning record in the ACC. I'm not even sure they should be breaking even. They certainly shouldn't be underdogs to a team like Georgia Tech at this point. But that's where they are. Make no mistake that they should be an underdog to Virginia Tech. Um, and I think they're, they're going to lose to, or to, to Georgia Tech. I'm sorry. And I think they're going to lose to Georgia Tech. Uh, you know, their inability to move the ball. Um, and I should say more specifically, their inability to score uh, is not a good thing, and their defense has left everything to be desired this entire year. Um, you can attack the edges of that defense. They're they're soft. Um, they look slow, and it's just unfortunate that uh, you know we're we're probably looking at a, a Georgia Tech win here, and that Wolfpack team is going to move to one and six and look really sketchy in the light heading to uh, the all important rivalry game against UNC. Yeah, I got to tell you, I think they're going to win, um, especially with Georgia Tech coming off a 45-point loss. Like, I do expect them to play better, uh, especially against a uh, much more uh, porous defense in NC State. But, you know, sometimes NC State, sometimes you just need the, the right opponent to get things right. They should be able to move the ball on the ground here against the Georgia Tech team that struggles to stop the run. You know that quarterback play has been the has been the big key, but I think they'll do enough to to squeak by, get their fifth win of the season, have some hope going into the North Carolina game, and that's a rivalry game. So you know you never know what could happen. Although I'd say the odds are 
less than two percent chance of them beating North Carolina at this point. But <laughs> you know, I'll go I'll go NC State in this one to get their last win of the season. Now you're a good man. Uh, Boston College at Notre Dame. This game is two thirty on NBC. Uh, the Irish, they're a 19-point favorite, coming off a huge win over Navy, 52-20. to So uh, they proved a lot of people wrong in that one because a lot of people had picked Navy or at least to keep it close. And, uh, you know, the Irish obviously not going to the college football playoff this year but still likely getting uh, a high-tier bowl if they went out. I don't think they're going to have much trouble against this BC defense. You know, the key offensive matchup for them is going to be A.J. Dillon against that defensive front. Dylan is a guy who's gone over 100 yards rushing in seven of his last eight games. You know, the first two games of the year didn't get 100 yards, seven of eight cents. He's got 1,451 yards rushing with 13 touchdowns. The thing with Dylan, he's got 75 carries in his last two games. So BC isn't afraid to use him, okay? Add it to Dylan, you've got David Bailey. He's been a nice spell. But I think the talent, that front seven of Notre Dame, will overmatch BC for you know the duration of the game. I do like the Irish to win. Iffy on the cover, but I'll go ahead and take it uh, just because Boston College, I don't really love the direction they're going right now. Yeah, I, I don't either, and, and I'm with you on this one. I don't love the direction of Boston College. I don't think the team has obviously been very good this year. Um, and I totally expect Notre Dame to win. I think it's important that we point out this is a rivalry game uh, known as the Holy War. And Justin, you may ask me, Tim, why is the Notre Dame-Boston College rivalry known as the Holy War? Tim, why is the Notre Dame-Boston College game known as the Holy War? Those are the only two uh, Catholic universities which compete in the football bowl subdivision. So a lot on the line here. Not only on that is surprising. It is surprising. Surprised me when I read it. Um, You know, so there's a lot going on here, not only on the football field, um, you know, but in the in the pews uh, and and the the churches as we speak. So a lot on the line. I think Notre Dame is going to have a fairly easy time here. Although Notre Dame itself has looked strangely mediocre and pedestrian at times, Um, but yeah, I expect Notre Dame to win uh, by a couple of touchdowns. Syracuse at Louisville, 4 p.m. ACC Network. Louisville coming off their bowl-eligible win against your NC State Wolfpack. Uh, Syracuse, they got their first win against the Power 5 opponent and first ACC win, so congratulations to the Orange. That was against Duke last week. Uh, I don't think that continues into this week. You know, the Louisville D, it's not great, but it's not bad. And their offense should be able to score at will against the Syracuse defense. You know, Mikhail Cunningham, he's looked really good the last few weeks. Had four touchdown passing, four touchdowns last week passing. Uh, Javion Hawkins, again, just really promising freshman running back. Tutu Atwell might be one of the more dynamic wide receivers in the conference. They should be able to do enough to win and cover against Syracuse. But you know, I think they're. Uh, I think the Syracuse winning streak of one. I think it ends here. I'd say the Cardinals are uh, easy money in this one. Yeah, and I totally agree. I think this is a potential uh, Coach of the Year campaign for Scott Satterfield. I think Louisville obviously wins here. Syracuse has had enough trouble on defense this year. But, you know, Louisville has playmakers in almost every position on offense outside of the offensive line. Um, and I think they'll, you know, they'll get their yards and they'll get this win. And that's that's not really saying a whole lot considering where Syracuse is coming from. Justin, I got to ask you though, if Justin Fuente wins out and gets to the ACC championship game, 
throw that result of that game out the window because they'd be going against Clemson. Is Satterfield or Justin Fuente the ACC coach of the year? That's a tough call. That's a tough call. I think, um, you know, for for like end season change, it would have to be Fuente, right? Well, I mean, I'm just thinking that has to be just that's got to be part of the we conversation. Were, look at where the national media, look at where perception was of the Virginia Tech football program after that loss to Duke, and rightfully so. One of the worst five FBS teams in the country, according to ESPN. Right. Now they're in the top 25. It's tough. It, it's as close to a toss-up as you can get because as bad as that Duke game was, uh, the Louisville football program was a, a literal dumpster fire Yeah, last year and, and in I the offseason. I don't know who Louisville ends against. I think they end against Kentucky. So there's a chance if they win this week against Syracuse and beat Kentucky, they got eight wins. I have a really hard time thinking ACC Coach of the Year is going to anyone but Satterfield if he gets the eight wins. Now, if he gets the seven, like if he lost to Syracuse, you know, maybe that's enough of a blemish. Um, But, you know, we'll see. I think there's still time. I don't think it's a lock like we thought it was definitely going to be for Satterfield. But it's dependent on what happens the next two weeks for for Virginia Tech. Um, And if Virginia Tech weren't to win in the next two weeks or whatever, you know, split it, go one and one. I think Satterfield probably ends up with the award. Definitely agree. I definitely agree, and I, I agree with you on uh, Syracuse taking a big fat L here. Uh, Miami at FFU, FFU, FIU, <laughs> 7 p.m. CBS Sports Network. Miami is a 19-point favorite. Every time I uh, see this game, which it isn't often, but uh, I just think of the big old brawl they had in 2006. You remember that? I do remember it. I do. Yeah, remember. it was it was bad. And speaking of brawls, you know, we had a big one in the NFL last week. But uh, you know, Butch Davis, FIU head coach. For those that didn't right? know, and uh, you know, the Panthers they're sitting here at five and five. Miami, obviously, they secured the bowl a couple of weeks ago. Uh, they've definitely been playing with a little bit more confidence. Jaron Williams has regained the starting job. He's been playing well. You know, DJ Dallas is still the workhorse back of the offense. Uh, Miami overall, though, rushing-wise, not a great rushing football team, um, but I think they will be able to to move the ball on the ground against FIU. Miami defensively only given up 104 yards per game on the ground. So FIU, they really struggle to stop the run. Um, they just got run over by the lane train at Boca Raton, 37-7. That's FAU for those trying to uh, keep up with that uh that comment at home, Lane Kiffin, uh, Nick's head coach of the Florida State Seminoles. Uh, <laughs> level of competition is far different. I think Miami rolls in this one. I like the U. Yeah, I like the U too. Um, interesting storylines with Butch playing his old team. Um, and, and, you know, that's always fun. You have the brawl, the undercurrent there. A lot of local kids playing each other for the first time since high school. There's going to be some fun storylines there. But the coolest thing to me... One of my favorite things in college football is when teams play football in a baseball stadium. And where is this game going to be played? Marlins Park. So maybe well, it's, it's worth not going to be on dirt, see. though, right? No, I don't believe so. I think it's going to be all turf. Yeah. Um, so what's it? What's it matter? Well, because it, it's it's an odd shape, Justin. It's an odd shape. So you end up with at least you know a large portion of a baseball field sticking out catty corner to one sideline, and it looks ridiculous. More than that. 
I'm big into baseball stadiums, and Marlins Park happens to be one of the most gaudy uh, baseball parks in all of the uh, 32 Major League Baseball stadiums. So uh, I'm excited to see how they do and, and what they do. What do they do? They put some stands in instead of having a huge grass patch out and on the sideline, or uh, you know, what are they going to do with the fish tank behind home plate? They should accentuate that somehow. I want to see some celebrations with the fish. I wonder, uh, you know, Derek Jeter, I imagine, might be there, being from the Miami area, being a uh, Miami Marlins owner. And then, uh, you know, A-Rod and J-Lo, you know, they're down there in that area too. It might just be a a swanky time down there at this football game. If A-Rod, J-Lo, and Derek Jeter are in the same vicinity, what's the over-under that we see them on camera? Oh my gosh, if it's anything like when A-Rod is on the color commentary in a baseball game, we're going to see and hear nothing uh, on the football field. We'll just hear him talk incessantly the entire time. Oh. I'm going to say five to six times. Let's let's take it back here a second. We have to circle back. Um, Virginia Tech, the people in the booth. For the Virginia oh, Tech pick wow. game. Oh, how did we forget this? Will Dusty. Dusty Dvorak and Rod, I can't yeah. remember your last name. Um, Mark Jones. Is it Mark Jones? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's right. It, oh, well, the, how could I forget? It's Mr. Uh, 304 or whatever. Yeah. Mr. whatever. God, Dusty, yeah. When I saw that, I could not believe Dusty was going to spring his self. <laughs> Into Lane Stadium after I hope I hope he, he gets heck. I hope he gets heck, man. I, yeah, I might have to turn the game on mute. I don't know. I, I you know, I hope he mentions it and I hope he's bitter and petty. <laughs> I want it all. Bring it on, man. Oh, yeah. You know he's he's gonna be the biggest Pat Narduzzi fan in the world. Oh my gosh. Are you kidding? Yeah, I, I can't wait to hear how many potential penalties should have been called on the Hokies during that game. Yeah, good call. I can't believe we forgot to talk about that. Yeah. Uh, Duke at Wake Forest. Uh, so for those still listening, pay attention here. If you're a gambler, take whatever money you have to spend this weekend, put it all on Wake Forest, and just wait to cash it out because Wake is only a seven-point home favorite. Yeah, okay? ridiculous. They're coming off back-to-back losses against the ACC's best two teams. Duke right now is in absolute shambles. I don't know if you've been listening or keeping up with what's happening in the ACC as a whole, they're coming off a 43-point loss to a team that hadn't beaten a Power 5 opponent the entire season. Right. That is inexcusable. Jamie Newman is going to get back on track in this one. No Sage Surratt, but Kendall Hinton, Scotty Washington, those are solid receivers. They should have a good day. Solid run game. Wake rolls all day. Take it to the bank. Cannot believe there's only seven points on this game. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about a Duke team that's lost its last four games um, that can't seem to find a pulse since they went goal line Tim Tebow against UNC. And we're somehow favoring our recency bias so badly that we're considering Wake Forest a seven-point favorite against that team. With the body of work that we saw from Wake Forest before, granted, Sage Sherrod is out, fully understand that. Kendall Hinton. Scotty Washington, all very, very capable of playing well for the Demon Deacons, and I think they will. I, like you, am very surprised to see that line. Um, and interesting betting potential there. Uh, you know, I definitely think Wake Forest wins by at least two touchdowns. Um, you know, I don't expect Coach Cut to be able to piece together, you know, Duke enough uh, to be able to fight and stay in this game against the uh, Wake Forest Demon Deacons. 
Mercer at North Carolina to close out the week. UNC sitting at 4-6, and six, need two wins for a bowl. They get one step closer here. The Bears are 4-7 and seven down there in the Southern Conference. And, uh, you know, just a little fun fact about Mercer. Jake Fromm's younger brother, Dylan, is a freshman on the team. Uh, he's not going to help them, though. He's not playing. UNC rolls. They get to that fifth win and hope to get number six next week against NC State to get to that bowl game in December. Yeah, I mean, that that's going to be huge for them and um, much needed. Yeah, they're cutting it as close as they can possibly cut it. So, um, you know, good for them. Obviously, <laughs> I don't think the Mercer Bears are going to be able to do much about the beating that they're going to be handed. I think uh, not only is Mercer not the greatest uh, of FCS teams, but UNC a tough team for just about anybody to stop on offense. Um, You know, Mac Brown's going to roll closer and closer uh, to that bowl game. Um, But interesting to see rivalry games tend to bring out uh, weird, weird football. So I'm not sure I'm ready to call that NC State game in favor of UNC quite yet, but I'm certainly leaning that way. Yeah. Yeah. Another win coming up for the Tar Heels, and uh, the Mercer Bears uh, will go home very defeated and dejected for sure. So that's our show. Tim, any final words before we close out this week 13 preview? No final words. Just uh, do it for Bud, boys. That's all I got to say. There's no need to give you any more fuel to fire uh, your drive during that game. Go out there, handle business, do what you've done uh, for the better part of the year, and uh, I'll look forward to talking about it on Sunday. Yep, do it for Bud indeed, and uh, be patient out there because it might be a long day offensively. But um, you know, I think I think we'll see this team get it going and be able to uh, to do enough to to get that W at the end of the day and set up a really uh, probably one of the more memorable UVA Virginia Tech games that we can recall yeah uh, at least for you know definitely playing for for something both teams are so it's definitely well i mean it, it's rare you know throw the acc out the window look at the whole uh fcs or fbs here in this case it's rare that you see a major in-state rivalry with conference championship implications period ever uh we're looking like that's going to to happen uh, and we're one game away, two games away, if you want to look at UVA's side of, of having that happen. Um, and UVA's already punched his ticket. We're just going to see if they're going to be coming off the heels of a tough game with Liberty or if they're going to be able to have rested half of their roster. It'll be interesting to see, but you don't get to see that much. So my anticipation certainly is brewing, but one step before the other here, big, big game. Yeah, no doubt. So thanks for listening. We are Chowder and Grits, the podcast for ACC and Hokies football. You can listen to us wherever you listen to podcasts, but Apple Podcasts, Spotify seem to be the two faves. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Tell us what you think. Follow us on Twitter, at Chowder and Grits, Facebook, at Chowder and Grits. Tim, why don't you tell these fine people what they can do for us? Keep interacting with us on Twitter. Keep sharing our stuff on Facebook. Keep talking to us. Uh, We love it. We love interacting with you guys, and you've been awesome so far. Leave us some reviews. We really appreciate five-star, four-star reviews. Uh, Not so much. Go ahead and leave the five, and if you feel like you really need to leave the four or lower, just let us know what we can do to improve. Uh, Other than that, keep doing what you guys do. Keep tuning in on a weekly basis, and, uh, you know, we love talking football with you guys. So with that, we'll go ahead and tie this up and leave you guys 
uh, you know, with a Go Hokies beat pit. See you guys later.